Welcome to Six Weeks of Soul Care with Meg Lacey Vega and JJ Vega. We are living through a strange time of isolation and anxiety as we hunker down at home during the coronavirus pandemic. Some of us find our schedules empty with canceled plans and lost jobs and nothing to do. Others of us are having the exact opposite experience as life and work and school all collide under one roof. Whichever end of the spectrum you find yourself, it seems that we are all seeking new ways of surviving, of thriving, of sustaining ourselves, and of nurturing our souls in this new time. That is what six weeks of soul care is all about. Welcome to week three of the Soul Care Podcast. Thanks for being with me again, JJ, and thank you for grooming for this experience. I came home from church and you have a head freshly shaven as though you're trying to impress all of our listeners. It's true. And the only reason I did it, not because I was feeling grungy at all. (laughs) (laughs) It is amazing what taking care of our bodies does to make us feel better. Well, I learned a lot from our last podcast. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I hope others did too. I have certainly been taking tidbits with me throughout this week. Our practice this week is gratitude. A good one for a time when I, at least, am finding myself doing a lot more complaining and feeling frustrated uh, than I am feeling grateful and thankful some days. I think many of us are probably in that boat, so no better time to have a conversation about what gratitude really means. It's deeper than I thought it would be. When you first talked about it, I was just thinking loving kindness meditations and prayers of thanksgiving, but we could go down some rabbit holes with this one. So I think I'll start with a very basic question, which is what comes to mind for you when we talk about gratitude? Because Hmm. gratitude has been discussed a lot more in popular culture in the last few years. Um, There's been more research that's come out about what gratitude does for our brains and our bodies and our health. And I think it's been sort of grabbed onto by a larger culture as um, a practice that matters. And it is a spiritual practice and a religious practice. And there's a long history in Christianity and other traditions of practices of gratitude. Um, But now we have all sorts of other associations. There's like gratitude adjacent things happening. So what comes to mind when we talk Mm. about gratitude? The first thing that comes to mind for me is how popular gratitude has become. It's almost been like mindfulness. You know, mindfulness had a real moment probably about a decade ago and maybe even longer than that. There seems to be some sort of confluence of when science gets its hands on something and it starts to become much more popular in the the public consciousness. And so I just keep on seeing more and more people talking about keeping gratitude journals, having gratitude practices, uh, bumper stickers, 
you go to a home goods store and you see like live, love, laugh types of things. I knew you were going to bring this up. I didn't even have it on my notes. It just when you said <laughs> gratitude journal, I pictured in my mind something pink and flowery and thought JJ wants to burn that. <laughs> For listeners out there, you should know that JJ does not like things that say kind words on them hanging in our home. He doesn't want things that say live, laugh, love, or uh-huh. peace, hope, joy. It's not that live, laugh, love, or peace, hope, joy are bad things, no. but they represent the commodification of something sacred. Exactly. And I, I feel like a gratitude journal is the same kind of thing. Like I can see why you would be resistant to that. <laughs> it, it loses its depth and character uh, because I think when we do think of gratitude, we think about saying things that we're grateful for and it's usually based off of circumstances but as a person of faith and people trying to live a deeper spirituality i feel like it's important to to note that what we do as christians with gratitude goes a lot deeper than comparing our circumstances and finding it could be worse yes So before we get to the scripture and tradition and the teachers that for us have formed our understanding of gratitude, uh, let's do talk for just a minute about the science. What does the science say and why has this become so popular? If you do some searching online, you will find that a good number of universities have done pretty substantial amounts of research on gratitude. Studies on groups who maybe had to keep a journal for a set period of time where they wrote down statements uh, talking about things they were grateful for, and then they gave them scores, uh, basically happiness scores. They asked them to rate their own happiness, and people that were keeping the journal versus the control group were substantially happier. They rated their happiness far higher than the control, and it didn't just last for a day or two, it lasted for a month. Uh, They've done studies in relationships where they found that couples that did a better job offering affirmations and gratitude for the other were able to actually navigate conflict more easily. So the, the science is definitely out there. They can't quite pinpoint where gratitude is in the brain neurologically, but they have some ideas. Well, and they do make connections with bodily health. So in some of the studies where they've had folks track via journal what they're grateful for over a period of time, not only do people report higher levels of happiness, but there are also higher levels of physical health, less doctor's visit, lower blood pressure, these types of things. Lower amounts of the stress hormone cortisol in your system, which is a prime indicator that your body's gone into a fight or flight state. Uh, One thing I also wanted to mention as far as the science goes is if you're speaking strictly from a scientific or an evolutionary perspective, what use does gratitude have? And there's a couple of researchers that have some different opinions. And I think one of the most compelling that I heard was the idea that it actually makes a lot of sense for someone to be able to track who's doing favors for you in the tribe in order to improve tribal cohesion and survival. You know, it's it's good survival to cooperate. And so it's good for your brain to be able to sense that and track that in the environment. Um, So there's some survival benefits to gratitude as well. That makes sense. Yeah. What comes to mind for me is a workshop that I was in probably four or five years ago now. 
with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, and it was um, a lecture and conversation by Matt Bloom, who is the head of the Wellbeing at Work Institute at Notre Dame. And the Wellbeing at Work um, Institute studies a number of professions that have high levels of burnout, including clergy, hmm. in order to track clergy health and well-being and thriving. That's their goal. I think often when we hear people talking about research on gratitude, they're linking it directly to happiness. And happiness is important, but happiness isn't terribly spiritual. And happiness isn't the only component of thriving. It's just one component. And so I really appreciated some of what he said about gratitude, which built on previous research. But the idea was that our brain categorizes every day as a good day or a bad day. And it does that by a self-assessment of when we were having like grateful moments and when we weren't. And we have to have three times as many positive or grateful moments as we do negative moments for our brain to categorize that as a good day. If we have a good day, that rolls over for one more day. So if we have a good day on Monday, then there's a high chance Tuesday is going to be a good day. But bad days have a three-day spread. Hmm. So if I have a bad day on Monday, it's going to probably go downhill Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So this whole idea that um, practicing gratitude by intentional reflection on our day, whether it's the end of our work day or before we go to bed, enables us to close out our day emotionally by categorizing good things that happen, by naming them and giving thanks for them. And that fundamentally shifts our ability to be grateful in the following days, to be receptive to what's happening in the following days and to interpret what's happening as good. There's a great podcast I listened all the way back in 2016 with Father Richard Rohr, another person I'll probably mention every single podcast. It was on the liturgists, and if you're doing a search for this podcast, the topic was the cosmic Christ. But in it, he was talking about this idea that in the brain, gratitude is like Teflon and negativity is like Velcro. So it only takes the brain less than a second to latch onto and absorb a negative thought, but you have to savor a grateful or happy thought for 15 seconds for the brain to absorb it and for the body to respond with the appropriate release of hormones and other feel-good chemicals. So there's just this really interesting dynamic to what you're talking about. We have, we have a negativity bias is one way to put it. And it is a reminder that a gratitude practice isn't just listing things that we're thankful for, Mm -hmm. that it takes more intentionality and more time. And actually feeling the feeling of being grateful is what changes our internal and physiological and mental states, not just making a list. Right. So now that we've gotten the science out of the way, let's talk about some of the deeper stuff. Where does this sure. practice come from in scripture? What teachers have formed our understanding of it? Okay. Like I've said in other podcasts, I'll start with Jesus in the Gospels. In Luke 17, there's a story of Jesus healing the lepers, and he heals 10. Only one who's the outsider, I believe a Samaritan in the group, turns back and gives praise to God. And in the story, Jesus is shocked. Like, how could you not have given the thanks to the source? And not thanks to him, 
but thanks specifically to God. So he's, he's telling us to be grateful, but he's also giving us, I think, a really important theological statement there, that gratitude isn't just for ourselves or just for the circumstances we find ourselves in, but to the source of our life. There's a great psalm, uh, Psalm 100, that tells us, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. So, again, another example of scripture where specifically we're talking about thanksgiving for its own sake. It, It doesn't seem to be circumstantial. And also in the psalms, And in the story from Luke, we see gratitude and thanksgiving connected with the heart of God, right? That when we are grateful, that we are connecting with something deep in us that is sacred, that is spiritual, that is God's heart beating in our heart. Right. It's a direct pathway to God. I've I've heard it said, I'm sure everyone else has, that Christianity in a lot of ways is putting the head in the heart. So the idea that you could take something like gratitude as a route, a direct route to the heart of God, seems especially important for us as Christian people. Mm -hmm. I think also something that's important to note about gratitude in scripture is the way that it's connected to suffering. Mm. So in the Psalms, there are different ways that academics have categorized the Psalms. And the two major categories are Psalms of thanksgiving or praise and Psalms of lament. But we also get psalms that are both, that merge lament and praise. So, for example, Psalm 42 says, Why, O my soul, are you downcast? Put your hope in God. I will praise him, my Savior and my God. So there's this balance of the downcast soul, sadness, grief, pain, suffering, And the recognition that God is with us in that and that we give thanks for God's presence and for God's provision, even when we don't know exactly what it will look like for us. One teacher, I think, put it really well, David Stendhal Rost. He recently was interviewed by Krista Tippett and On Being, and he is a Catholic monk, I believe, somewhere in France. Mm -hmm. And he had this beautiful quote, gratitude isn't giving thanks for everything. It's giving thanks in everything. Mm. So there are things we can't be thankful for, right? Right. War, famine, rape, violence, but in all things, we can find gratefulness. Other traditions also pick up on this. I'm thinking of the Buddhist tradition in particular. Not only is gratitude um, something that science says is good for us, (laughs) but it's a sustaining practice of our faith when we are experiencing suffering. Right. That keeps things in balance. It's very easy when we are in suffering states to become more self-absorbed and to experience a sense of separation. So what gratitude does and what the Psalms illustrate really well is allow us to hold the suffering but connect to something bigger to ourselves. Uh, There was a practice I was going to mention, the loving kindness practice, which starts with wishing yourself well, and then it starts to expand out to the people that are closest to your loved ones. And then it expands out even further to people you would consider your enemies or people that are persecuting you. Once you get to that part, your heart's pretty open and you can be there in the midst of that suffering state, which I think is pretty powerful. Yeah. 
I learned of that practice through Thich Nhat Hanh, the mm-hmm. Vietnamese Zen Buddhist teacher and monk. I've been following him for a little while, and he talks about the loving-kindness meditation. So much of his teaching is connected to gratitude, and particularly the relationship between gratitude and suffering. And there are a few other practices that come to mind, too. In one of his books, Peace is Every Step, he opens by talking about um, a breath practice of breathing in, I am present, and breathing out, I smile. <laughs> and he talks about how... This is so sweet. <laughs> right? When the muscles of our face change, that changes our mental chemistry, too. Right that when we smile, that smile brings us gratitude. So sometimes we smile because we're happy. And then he says, sometimes we need to smile because our sadness needs to know that it's not all of us, Hmm. which I love. He also uses a traditional Buddhist prayer before a meal that I had never heard before that talks about giving thanks, not just for the food in front of us, but for all of the various people and animals that enabled it to get to us. I've heard a Christian version of this. Um, I've even prayed a Christian version of this. You know, thank you, God, for the food and for all the hands that brought it to our table. But the Buddhist version includes the sunshine that enabled the grain to grow and the hands that harvested it. There are all of these layers, right? Right. That we're not just thankful for the food in front of us on our plate, but all that it took in the world and the ecosystem for this food to get to us and a recognition of how multi-layered everything is that finds its way to our door. I think that's such a deep practice of gratitude. Right. And what's interesting about any tradition that offers some kind of commentary or practice about gratitude, whether it's the Christian tradition, the Buddhist tradition, or even in the secular world, gratitude ends up being for all human beings, an acknowledgement that we move through our lives as much as we want to fool ourselves, especially in the Western world. We're dependent on each other. So let's talk for a minute about practices as we wrap up. What are some practical practices that we can take on to cultivate gratitude? We know gratitude is a feeling and a value, but it also is at its most elemental level, a practice that we can do. Right. And again, a practice is not taking time out from life and doing this special thing in a pocket of time that's separated from your life. It's preparation to engage with your life differently. There's a couple of practices that I've really loved through the years. Um, The prayer of thankfulness. Before, I only knew prayer of intercession. And prayer of intercession to me was trying to figure out what God was up to and tell God what I thought God was up to. But prayer of thanksgiving is so different and it's communal, it's shared. Worship is a practice, God is audience, but I think when we're together, we have an easier time bringing each other back to thanksgiving than when we're alone. That loving kindness meditation is so simple. It, it really is just a set of statements, but when you embody those statements, it can bring you to a totally different place And in the non-religious but sort of spiritual world, Tony Robbins has this thing that he does called priming. He says he hates meditation. He can't meditate. He's not a guy that can sit still and just watch his thought. But what he does is he gets into his body with some arm motions and his breath. 
And then he starts with gratitude for something like the breeze or a beautiful flower, something that's simple, that's not circumstantial, that's just there in nature. And then moves on to Thanksgiving to a higher power. You know, for him, he doesn't have a name for that. So anywhere you look, you can find some good gratitude practices. What about you? There are a number of things that come to mind, I think. Um, The first one is writing thank you notes. Mm. I remember right after our wedding when we wrote hundreds of thank you notes (laughs) and how much joy it brought me to offer thanks. So that's a way that we connect with others, right? It's connected to the heart of God, but it's an interpersonal practice. It's giving and receiving. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely a way to express gratitude that we don't often take the time to do. I've found that when I've sat down to write a thank you note to someone who has just made an impact on my life because I'm thinking about them, I walk away from writing that feeling fuller, feeling more aware of the ways that God is at work in my life, feeling more in touch with the deepest parts of my heart. It really does become a spiritual practice. Another that comes to mind is just reflection, like the gratitude journals that you are not a fan of. (laughs) I'm not not a fan of them, but it's like we said earlier, it's the commodification of gratitude that I'm against. But man, writing down things that you're grateful for, it's powerful. Yeah. And when we keep a list of those things and we look back on them, we start to see patterns emerge. Right. After I had heard the talk from Matt Bloom at the Wellbeing at Work Institute, I decided at the end of every workday, I would write down three things I was grateful for to help me end my workday in a positive, grateful place. And I only probably did that for like three months. And, you know, in the last four years, I've completely forgotten about it. And maybe I should go back to it. But I do remember being able to see patterns emerge about what was really connecting with me in my work life and who God was really speaking to me about. It enabled me to see patterns that otherwise wouldn't have emerged. Hmm. One of the youth said this morning when we were talking about gratitude, you know, you could also just draw what you're grateful for at the end of every day. And I think that's a reminder that naming at the end of our day what we're grateful for doesn't have to look one specific way right it can be writing down three things or some kind of meditation that allows us to move into that place but it could also be drawing or creating something or taking a walk and as we do naming the things that we're grateful for with the person that we're walking with or with ourselves or giving someone a call who really needs to receive a call especially this day and age I mean, if you're very left-brained or discipline-oriented, there's certainly formal practices out there, and that's what I gravitate towards. If you're a little bit more right-brained, spontaneous, creative, there's plenty of ways to fold this in that just doesn't have to fit into a box. And if you're wanting something embodied, one of the most basic ways that we can practice gratitude is by giving back to others by serving others with our physical bodies. That also just livens up that gratitude in our heart, in our minds, our connectedness to others and the world and to God and an awareness of all that is good around us. So we're going to end today on a Christian practice similar to a loving kindness meditation or a review of um, our day with gratitude. It's called the Ignatian Examine. And it began with St. Ignatius of Loyola, a Spanish 
priest who became the founder of the Society of Jesus, who started this practice and um, I think is one that the Christian tradition has to offer us as we think about spirituality and gratitude. Before we go there, are there any last words you'd like to offer? Mm. In my very humble opinion, gratitude, thankfulness, and suffering are companions on the spiritual journey. The times that I've suffered has strengthened my faith and deepened my gratitude. And the times that I've been grateful have put the suffering that I've experienced into context. So I know there's a lot of people out there that are suffering right now. We're all suffering in different ways, but suffering and gratitude don't have to be mutually exclusive, especially when we can go a little bit deeper than live, laugh, love and gratitude journals (laughs) on Etsy. I'm very glad that this topic landed on this week because I think I need it. I think I'm struggling to remember to be grateful because I am aware of what feels lost. And it's hard when you're aware of what you've lost to be grateful for what you have. But that's the trick, right? There is so much God is doing. There are so many good gifts, even in the hardest seasons of our lives and learning not just to notice those, bringing more energy to those moments, that can transform our lives. And it doesn't have to stop during a pandemic. We can take it with us. You mean when the pandemic is over? Yeah. Okay. St. Ignatius of Loyola was a Spanish priest in the 14th century and the co-founder of the Order of the Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits. He said this in one of his writings, Try to keep your soul always in quiet, always ready for whatever the Lord may wish to work in you. It is certainly a higher virtue of the soul and a greater grace to be able to enjoy God in different times and in different places than in only one. One of the practices that he is most known for is called the daily examine, the examination of our consciousness or of the work of God in our lives. Different people explain this practice different ways. Some suggest that at the end of every day, we ask ourselves two questions. Where did I feel closest to God today? And where did I feel farthest away? Or what am I grateful for? And what is causing me pain? Either way, this practice invites us in to a review of our day. It can also be extended to a week or a month or a year where we gather the happenings of the last week or month or year and sift through them, looking for the ways that God has been at work, looking for what we can be grateful for. Will you join me in a brief version of this practice as we close? Take a moment to take a deep breath. Maybe feel your feet on the floor or your body supported by whatever you're sitting on. 
just become present. I invite you to take a second to review the last 24 hours you've experienced. What has occurred? What have you done? What's been left undone? Notice especially what you're grateful for. What happened that enabled you to connect deeply with God? What has occurred that you feel grateful for? Maybe it's a conversation with a friend or an activity that you did. Maybe you're grateful for the author of a book that you're reading and the insight that's showing you. Or the joy of a good cup of coffee. Just notice. Pick one of the things that's coming to mind for you and pray from it. Invite God into it. Give God thanks for it. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this third podcast in the Soul Care Project series. Be on the lookout in the week to come for posts that might invite you to take a moment to give gratitude for those around you and for the work of God in your life. We'll be posting on Facebook throughout the days ahead. Join us there. A special thanks to Ryan Corbett, who records our beautiful music, and for my husband, JJ Vega, who is going on this journey with me each week. Thank you. We would love to hear from you. You can email JJ or I on the church website, or you can go to the Soul Care Project page and leave a comment. Let us know what's good. Let us know what you want more of. Let us know what you're finding challenging. Today, especially, we invited other religious traditions into the conversation, widening the scope of our conversation in ways that might make some of you feel uncomfortable. Let us know. We want to talk with you. Thank you for listening.